0: I'm Haley Oakes, and this is Milk Trails, a journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. Ruby was one of the lucky ones. It took no effort to get pregnant. She felt great in her pregnancy, and the birth was relatively easy. But the immediate postpartum and weeks thereafter was really when she went into labor, facing the challenges that helped her transform into a mother. Hello. Hi, Ruby. It's Haley. Hi, Haley.
1: How
0: are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh,
1: my God. Um, I'm good. Yeah. I'm really, like, super chilled out, but it seems like days are going by really fast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- Tis the nature of a... Uh... The fourth, the fourth trimester, as well as I mean, <laughs> right? being quarantined and yeah, <laughs>
1: it's weird. They kind of morphed into each other. <laughs>
0: totally. Um, so you're nearly eight weeks postpartum, then. I think yesterday was eight weeks. Eight weeks. Wow. Um, yeah. How how are you feeling physically, emotionally in this in this time? Oh. <sighs>
1: um... It's it's really surreal because on one hand it was very much normal to be quarantined and very like intimate just with my you know my partner and uh, my baby and that was just normal but and then even when the quarantine started happening I was kind of like oh this is great this is already what I was doing I'm so grateful like I already had food stopped, and I was already in this flow. And now each day it just becomes more like, whoa, the state of the world is actually really scary.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I
1: was in an abstract way, like aware that I was living in a little bubble, but as I transition out of that fourth, you know, fourth trimester and into just reality checking, I'm like, Oh, this is so much bigger than me.
0: Mhm. And it and it and, also feels sometimes more so <clears throat> when you have a little one to look after as well of like oh what this all means for her
1: oh totally i mean so i cope with that by just being like all right she chose to come at this time she Mm. chose me as her mom she chose this 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 soul that you know that she is that she is Mm -hmm. decided to come at this time
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: you know whether that's true or not that's kind of how i try to remedy my like doomsday she came and the world's falling apart
0: yeah. yeah yeah i mean at some point you you check all the boxes and then you have to like put your hands in the air and surrender and say like this is you know like she's 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 a part of this process as well yes. and um and a participant and um and and motherhood what um is it is it everything uh and more <laughs> oh or less God. than you expected
1: when first can i ask uh, Rio, is there you have Rio, girl? yeah. Named Rio, and she, her birthday is the day after. Yes. That's hilarious. So wild. I love that. A little Aquarius.
0: I know. So cool.
1: So this little Aquarius had the name Sophia Alida, and we've just decided, uh, after spending a week in the desert last week, that she was way more Alita
2: than
0: Sophia. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny as I saw that on Instagram and I was like, huh, or like that you referred to her as yeah. that and I was like, yeah. as Alita, and I was like, that's so cool, but that's it's that, that's that's uh, that's not the first time I've heard that of people changing names after getting to know their baby, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was in there because it's, it's my partner's family name and Sophia was like my family name, so we really, we actually haven't even registered her yet, so Sure. we're giving ourselves some time, but yeah. It it was just not Sophia Alita. It was Alita Sophia. That's
0: stuff. so yeah. cool! I love that. <laughs> Amazing. I know, it's really funny. Have you told family yet or friends or, or Oh
1: yeah. Well, the first, yeah instantly, and I'll, I'll I'll give you a quick backstory. My sister's name is Sophie, uh-huh. and my sister is also handicapped. And I think for my dad and my mom, um, and for myself too, I realized it was a bit emotional calling her hmm.
2: Sophia.
1: Uh, even though it was more of an homage to her, anyways, I think the direct name itself was 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 too much.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, take, yeah. They were
1: they were absolutely happy with it, and they had been wanting to call her Alita as
0: well. Oh, <laughs> that's so beautiful. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, um, what I just want to kind of jump into what your <laughs> thoughts were about um, since you're so fresh on the other side um, that you can probably still remember, you know, what were your what were your thoughts prior to giving birth and prior to pregnancy? Um, what did you know about birth and babies? Um, did you have strong beliefs? Did you have um Intentions, expectations, or was it sort of open, open-ended for you?
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't know anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, Truly, really, really nothing. Um, we got pregnant accidentally, so it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. So We knew even less about that and about, you know, coming together, parenting. Our relationship was new, so really, like it was open. It was an open-ended thing. There was no, the only thing that I think I knew for sure was that I wanted kids or a kid. Like Mm -hmm. I, that, that to me clicked when I was probably around 27. Mm -hmm. I had a really like clear moment when I knew that I wanted to be a mother.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: so that conviction was, was in me. And then also just knowing that as it, as each step came, I'd figure it out as it, as it would come. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm still
1: doing that. So like every step, even of the pregnancy, I was, maybe I resisted or maybe I was just late to get there, but I didn't really like pre-plan too much. Um, I just knew that when the obstacle would present itself or when the challenge would present itself or when the next stage would, you know, when I get to the next stage that I would then I don't know, wing it or trust my intuition or mm-hmm. seek counsel or, mm-hmm. or something. And so for the birth itself, because I didn't know anything, all I knew for sure was that I needed to have people that I trusted that knew more about this than me with me. Mm. And that
0: was it. Wow. So that there was no, the like, thing. also there was no, like, formal preparation for giving birth. In the sense of like a class or um, any sort of prep as a couple or individually about like not only like the physiology of labor but but more but also like emotionally what can come up or anything like that. It was sort of like let's just let's just be present to it and work through it in the well, moment.
1: Well, no, we definitely got help towards the end, and mm-hmm. it almost like came really just right in the nick of time. Like everything has seemingly come right in the nick of time. Mm. So the first part of my pregnancy, I was still working and going to school and living my life. And my partner was still living in another country. I mean, we weren't even together for a large part of the beginning. And, uh, and that was fine. Mm -hmm. And then around five months I went and visited him and, uh, we met together in Amsterdam and spent a month there, and then he came He came here with me. So um, even still, nothing around the pregnancy. But towards the end, I had a doula. Um, I got a doula about eight, uh, 30 weeks in. Mm-hmm. I switched from having had just a doctor to then wanting to do a home birth and then getting a midwife. Mm-hmm. And then when the midwife said, I really suggest that you two take a pregnancy class, we put the word out, and we did a brief, not intensive, it was like it was actually a gift from, from
0: Britta, oh, and we nice. did a
1: three-hour session with her, just the two of us.
0: Britta Bushnell is a renowned childbirth educator based here in Los Angeles. She is also the author of Transform by Birth, an amazing book for expectant parents. Britta was a special guest on this podcast, and you can hear more about her on episode 16. So we did have a
1: little bit of prep, but honestly, it was all within the last like month and a half. Wow! Before I gave
0: birth. That's so incredible, and and <laughs> did that feel like a relief to do that and listen to it, or did it feel stressful in the moment to kind of do things to, or like that things came together in the end?
1: Um, I'm glad they came together in the end the way that they did. If I if I like pre plan or If I do if I overthink things, which I already have a tendency to do, Mm -hmm. I will like psych myself out. It's almost like I knew all I needed to know was that it was going to probably be the most painful experience that physically that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did have a moment around 30, 33 weeks where I really had to like swallow what I thought I knew about physical pain and Mm -hmm. like brace myself for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, all I really needed to do, or all I really needed to know throughout the pregnancy was that I was saying goodbye to parts of myself and entering a new phase. But if I were to stew in it too much, uh, yeah, it's just better for me to just like not overthink things too much and then just handle them like pretty much right when they're in front of me, mm-hmm. right when they need the attention, right? Mm-hmm. Like a Band-Aid or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally,
1: and then process after. I'm much better at processing
0: after the fact. Mm-hmm. And given your partner is from a different country, what was mm-hmm. what was his stance or cultural beliefs about you know where a woman or where a family should be giving birth?
1: That's a, I'm really happy that you asked that question because it was pretty much the first thing that came up. Um, He's from the Netherlands. They mm-hmm. have the highest rate of like mid midwifery births, right? They don't really. They yeah. don't really do it in the hospital. He was born at home. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's pretty. It's the norm there to at least have that be the first choice. And then if you have to go to the hospital, you go to the hospital.
0: Wow. Um, I that's, know, right? That's so, so lucky. Is, <laughs> I know. It was like a no-brainer. And also their system, you know, their healthcare care, their
1: system really covers a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And um, so initially when I was searching around for doctors and I ended up finding a doctor and the doctor apparently was like a doctor and he was willing to do home birth which ultimately he he wasn't actually but mm. the amount of money that like was being spoken about and thrown around that we we ultimately ended up paying was you know shocking to
0: me. Mm-hmm, uh-huh yeah
1: i mean it would be shocking to anyone because it's just a lot of money but like to someone that comes from a culture where actually
0: that's it's just not how it is right that was really, it's more of a right you know, than it's like privilege to have a totals. birth like that
2: Totally. Um,
0: Interesting. And yet he
1: was still super supportive and wanting me to do it the way that I wanted. But I, I mean, I had I had reservations about it all because of the money too. Like mm-hmm. that was a
0: huge factor. Mhm. Had you known close friends who'd given birth outside of the hospital? I,
1: uh, to be honest, not successfully.
0: Interesting. Did you get in your head about that?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, it was the whole, it was, it was the thing that haunted me, haunted me. It was a thing that came up for me through the entire actual active labor.
0: A t- transferring that, and.
1: That, yeah, that, that ultimately. So I'll just talk about the death thing because that was part of it, right? Mm-hmm. That death, had, death had made itself present for me in the birth mm-hmm. and also through the pregnancy of parts of me that were dying and mm-hmm. I was becoming a mother and. And all of that, but but what also was with me throughout the entire process of labor was this fear that she was going to die, that she wasn't going to make it, mm. and that it was going it was uh, going to be an unsuccessful home birth. It was all a lot of my like mental Americanized way of thinking, right? That mm. something's going to go wrong, and because I chose not to be in a hospital, which is what everyone in at least my world says. You, I should have done mm-hmm. it, it's going to be my fault when she doesn't
2: make it mm.
1: that I brought this on that was like the fear I had in my head the whole
0: time oh my basically. god Ruby right that's so heavy I mean heavy. like how how did you ultimately get through that like work through, I mean I'm sure I'm sure you couldn't <laughs> vocalize all these things perfectly in labor you know so you're like just it's just stewing in your head
1: well, you know what I had I had a moment of plateauing. There were two moments during my during labor. One when I was alone in the bathroom and this is the, this is the death part because I can't I know I wrote about it but I can't I'm going to see if I can even articulate this because there was a moment when I was in the bathroom and I was sitting there and I was it was almost like I was staring at a presence or an entity, but there was nothing there. But Mm -hmm. it was almost like in the corner there was something Mm. that had, like, become a a veil over me of just complete fear and, like, everything that is scary and dark and paralyzing. And I remember sitting there with goosebumps all over my body um, and then deciding, while just kind of, like, catatonically staring into this corner of my (laughs) bathroom... That this is the defining moment, and I need to gather all the strength that I possibly can have within me to fight off whatever this thing is that just surprised me alone in the bathroom. Wow. And that was that moment, and that was a, something that I came to kind of, or that I s- solved on my own or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But But the fear of her dying... I actually did vocalize. My midwife came into the same spot in the bathroom, but at a different time. Mm. I was in the bathroom a lot. Mm-hmm.
2: The place to be. <laughs> uh, I was
1: like, I can't actually go into that bathroom anymore. because oh, There's still God. so much like, voodoo in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, she came in, and so did my doula, and they both sat on the floor with me, and they asked, they said, what's going on? what's coming up because, you know, something's obviously coming up. And I said, I am afraid she's going to die. Mm. And my, my midwife, Alex Evangelini, is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm. And my doula, Lori Bregman, um, Alex looked at me and she said, I cannot promise you that that will not happen, but I can promise that I will do everything in my power that it doesn't.
2: Mm. That's beautiful. And it was, uh,
1: It's just that surrender, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever you need to surrender
2: to will present itself in that moment or, you know, in -hmm. in
0: the labor. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, I mean, talk about processing afterwards. Did you talk about this (laughs) with with Britta? I mean, specifically? Uh,
1: I haven't spoken to Britta
0: about this yet. Mm -hmm. I just, all I really took
1: from her and haven't let go of and know that I'm in is the fucking labyrinth. Yes. in this labyrinth. (laughs) My partner's in the labyrinth, yes. and we are just like, sometimes he's closer to feeling like he's out of it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm closer, and sometimes we're both really far,
2: mm, and that's all. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, totally. Mm. Um, wow, that is so powerful and so beautiful that, you know, you could kind of come up from the depths of, you know, why I mentioned Britta is because, you know, she talks about the, the yes. underworld. And, and I do often think of, you know— labor and birth is like you're traversing this underworld and like the fact that you could kind of like gather the strength to swim up to the surface to then vocalize that, that this, this huge, huge fear that, I mean, perhaps a lot of people have, but, but not a lot of people say in the moment. Um, and then, and then try, you know, and that's the the beauty of trusting someone, you know, a care provider, trusting her words, trusting Alex's words to say like, you know, I can't promise, um, you know, 100%, but I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. That's just, that's amazing. Um, and for you to say, like, okay, you know, and let's keep going.
1: Well, and, and that's kind of what I, I'm proud of myself for having the foresight to know that I just needed someone there that was going to tell me the truth mm. and that I trusted. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what was going to come up, but I knew, I knew shit was going to, mm. and I just needed a team that would be honest, mm-hmm. that would reflect to me back maybe what I'm not saying and ask me. Mm-hmm. That would that would push me in ways that I needed to be pushed, which they did. By the way, like they pushed me to go towards the pain, and mm-hmm. it made my birth. I mean, from what I have heard about burrs, I've only had one <laughs> personal experience, but it was a very. Uh, uh, graceful and seemingly easy, and not very long birth. Wow! So I got super fortunate, but I honestly think it was because they were like, you know, let's walk,
0: yeah,
2: or
1: walk up the stairs like this, or go towards the pain, like mm. scream yes instead of no. Mm-hmm. Um, get out of the bath; you've been in there too
0: long. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. And I think you know so much of that is is the trust, but also mentally feeling um like d- did you feel like birth I mean obviously it's immensely physical um and like you said you had to, at one point in the pregnancy like, really kind of like like truly understand what it's going to mean for the physical sensations of labor but like l- labor can be fully stopped by your mental capacity yeah. you know or <laughs> your thoughts and so it's like do you feel like you know Because you're also um, a student, a doctorate student in psychology and you work in the mental health field and you have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that experience um, wanting to go there to that to that mental space that's like uncomfortable. Um, Like, do you feel like being being comfortable sitting in uncomfortable waters, you know, helps helps a process like a huge transformative process like this
1: oh yeah yes definitely definitely and actually like not wanting to control the process and Mm -hmm. allowing it to just take me Mm -hmm. it's part of the reason why i knew that i wanted to be natural and Mm -hmm. and ultimately knew that i once i knew she was healthy in utero ultimately wanted to be home right Mm -hmm. that was that was me just knowing that i wanted to feel the whole scope of this process I wanted whatever was meant to be revealed to be revealed. I wanted it to be, I didn't want to control it at
2: mm-hmm. all. And mm-hmm. and I
1: felt kind of cornered when, when I ultimately had to make the decision about doing it at a hospital or or at home because of how much I didn't want to control it. Yeah. But, but it was beautiful that I had to actually ask for what I did want. It was the first moment where it was like I had to step into being a mother and mm-hmm. I had to actually like make a decision mm-hmm. based on my intuition and to trust that but as far as psychology and like and I went to the. I'm in the same school that Britta went to so oh, her wow. language yeah so we speak really like this we speak similar languages as far as the underworld and, and going to that place I I didn't even have any preconceived ideas of what it would be though and I still feel I still feel like I'm in it part of it
2: mm, the process mm-hmm, like
1: mm-hmm. I don't think it leaves right away um oof, I mean the moments after the week or two after birth it, in hindsight and I'm sure even from months months from now I'd look back at this point and be like "Why? Well, I still didn't know what I was talking about mm-hmm. but those two <laughs> weeks after were brutal as far as looking back and realizing that I was seriously not there Mm. I was seriously not fully back yet I was living in some vortex and I don't think it's all blissful like I think there's a miss I don't know I I didn't have that experience of like enjoy those cozy cuddly early days with the baby for me it was like train wreck. Mm. It was like someone just smashed me across the head. Mm And I felt like I was drowning and I was totally not myself. And I felt isolated in my head.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: uh, and I think there were, there were moments where my partner had like genuine concern Mm for
0: my mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me, um, I mean, well, let's just if you wouldn't mind just walking us through, you know, well, the version of the birth that that is true for you and 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 also those immediate postpartum days and weeks. because, um, mm. yeah, obviously it's different for everyone and um, and it's it's all within a range of, um, you know, a common experience that is nice not to feel, Isolated, you know, from yeah. Um, So um, Yeah, if you wouldn't mind Telling us when you went into labor At what point you were pregnant And then and then we'll kind of dive back into Like those postpartum days um, and, and anything that came up with breastfeeding And so on and so forth Oh yeah,
1: that's the other thing <laughs> yeah. Breastfeeding, you no know one talks about that um, So how far back you want me to start?
0: Um, when I w- like when you went into labor Like you called Alex okay. and you're like It's happening yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, so uh, I woke up at 2 a.m.
0: because mm-hmm. a truck
1: outside my window woke, actually beat me and my partner up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt a contraction. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure, but I, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a contraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to fall back asleep. Around 6 a.m., I woke up and and shook him and was like, I'm pretty sure I'm having contractions now. But they felt like period cramps. They weren't heavy yet and i always had severe periods so it just felt the same mm-hmm. as that um by 7:30 they were getting a little more frequent and that's when lori came over she was super close so it was easy and she mm-hmm. just she just came over um
0: 7:30 a.m.
1: yes 7:30 a.m. all of this till seven thirty. so this is the morning friday morning and It started kind of, once she got there, I was able to let go a little bit more and she was able to validate for me that this was actually happening, Mm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, you are actually going into labor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I I started to kind of let go and then it became active. And, And at that point it was like nine and I was in active labor. Wow. And she had already contacted Alex and Alex was already on her way.
0: Wow. So what for I her know, what were what were those like signposts for her if you talked to her about uh, that? I
1: think it was that they were they were getting my contractions were getting pretty long and also there weren't that there wasn't that much time between them.
2: Mm-hmm
1: They were just getting more consistent. They weren't like full on, but they were like, Oh yeah, like this is this is happening and
0: uh And were you sort of yeah. increasingly like um sort of n- not being as much yourself in between contractions like like oh, yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
1: So, so in the span of time between Lori getting there and Alex getting there I went from like sitting on the bouncy ball in my sweater and underwear to fully <laughs> Being naked and not knowing what was going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> clear, clear sign of active labor. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: there's like photos after the fact, which, by the way, I'm so glad that they all took photos because I really don't remember much. Wow. Um, but there's photos from like when before Alex got there, and then when she got there's like, oh, cozy sweater, early mm-hmm. morning, rolling my hips out on a ball to like just primal, naked on the toilet, yeah. right. <laughs> Um, so by the time Alex got there at like 10.30 I was already like fully in it and to the point where actually they told me this after the fact that she did check my dilation and I think there was like a I don't know uh, something that she like touched or, or did and I went from three centimeters to seven. Wow. In
0: second. Sometimes there can be scar tissue on the cervix that forms from past procedures which can inhibit proper dilation in labor. This tissue can often be manually released by the care provider's fingers during a cervical exam which then leads to more progress in labor.
1: Which again, I, I, I kind of I, I lend to me knowing that I needed people that I trusted because mm-hmm. I didn't fully let go until Lori got there and I didn't fully let go until Alex got there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's that mental stuff that you were talking about too, just psychologically, like where's my team? I'm gonna like only let myself let go when I know that the people that I trust are here.
0: hmm Wow.
1: Um and then I can just like let that let that drop. So she got there and I think then at that point too, she looked at my her my partner and at Laurie and I think her assistant was there, I'm not sure, and she was like, We need to set up this tub like now like right now Mm -hmm. um so they did that I was in it uh in you know in the labor process and then I think when I got in there though I was in there and it felt really good and I know this is like a this is pretty um uh what's the word normal like that this happens but I got in there and then my partner joined me and I kind of mellowed out a little Mm -hmm. like I plateaued a bit Mm -hmm. and I got very comfortable and yeah it was really nice and I and I that was just that for a while yeah and then sometimes
0: your body just needs a little like rest you know from it ramping up so hard and fast right from the beginning
1: it did and I needed it and there was another time where I plateaued again and that was in my bedroom also with my partner, in, just the two of us in the bed, and mm-hmm. I was just chilling, and I needed it at that point also. Mm-hmm. But it then did prove though when I was with him, I was so calm and so, like, tr- tranquil mm-hmm. rather than, like, all right, let's do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, or, um, or more afraid or more, like, feeling. Sometimes what can happen is, like, when the partners come into the room, the contractions— like seemingly are more intense like like them wanting to be saved from the contractions and needing yeah. their partners more and yes. and um but then sometimes like the the presence of yeah a, a partner makes them actually like settle and relax a little bit more easily.
1: He yeah he definitely when he was around I don't know. I know that they subsided but there was also a part of me that felt I don't know how to explain it like like I knew that there was nothing that he could do to make the pain go away Mm -hmm. and I could feel like this little girl inside of me that wanted him to make the pain go away Mm -hmm. but then my woman voice would be like he's not going to be able to help you Mm -hmm. with this Mm -hmm. and so that that part would just take over Mm because it was the truth Mm -hmm. and I'd be like all right I don't like I don't really need much from you other than just
2: your support and that
0: that's really it. Did, <laughs> did you feel like he he you needed him to be like there was a lot of like physical hands on support or more no, just like no, present
1: just, just presence and like physical touch. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need much. I really didn't or there were parts though, again, like after the fact in photos where I'm like, Oh my god he was like behind, behind me and when I'm like standing up and I was dancing and then
2: mm. he was
1: there with me in the bathtub when I was just chilling and I was like between his legs and he was in there with me, you know, he mm-hmm. told me later that he basically was just like picking up my poop all over the house. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so he was there.
0: Wow. And I just
1: didn't really, I guess I just, all I needed to know was that he was there. I yeah. didn't really need a lot of other stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was that hard for him? Like, if you if you talked about it, the birth or was he I mean, he seems like a very, you know, com- he was, he comfortable he person. Yeah. yeah. But in any way that he could be there, he was OK. And he had
1: planned like with Britta, we had done that that little kind of prep.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: he was aware, aware of the uh, scope of which I could react. Right. Like that. I maybe didn't want to be touched. or Sure. Or, or did, and I think he was just willing to see where where I would go. And yeah. And followed it. was great. Yeah. Cool. Was, um, okay, then what...
0: Uh, so you plateaued in the bedroom with him, yes. and then after so that... water didn't break. Mm-hmm. That's another big thing. My water never broke. Interesting. Did it break, yeah. like, right as she was born, or... Well,
2: no, they gave me a choice
1: in the bathtub, and they said, there's a clip or a... Not a clip, but like a... Um, tag, or there's something that's getting stuck or something because my water hadn't um,
0: broke. Ruby may be talking about what is known as a lip, and it refers to the last centimeter of cervix that can be felt by the care provider's fingers during an internal exam. This little bit of cervix can prevent the baby from descending despite the birthing person's natural urge to push. They
1: said we can puncture it for Mm -hmm. you, right? We can break it for you, and it will accelerate things, but it will also make the cramping get worse
0: pretty yeah, much right away right <laughs> 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 you're like hmm it's like
1: not what I wanted to hear so I said no yeah no no no, no. but knowing that it was inevitable very quickly after I, I realized like all right just bring me towards the pain like if we're gonna get there why
2: sit in this mediocre mm. cramping which already has been the most pain that
1: I've ever felt mm-hmm for any longer let's just do
0: it and what time was this now you think
1: I feel like that must have been around like 1 30 or 2
0: okay still yeah. very fast
1: <laughs> yeah I think at like 2 I probably they broke
0: my water and it was because things were kind of plateauing and you hadn't made change in your cervix and it was just sort of like let's just I had it get yeah. you over the hurdle
1: yeah, I had actually gotten at one point so close that I was really feeling the need to push. Like, mm. it was actually already there. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, maybe it was because the water was, you know, it was the sack was still in there or mm-hmm. something. But it, it wasn't really, like, going there. and uh, And I just didn't want to be in that much pain anymore. So I said, yes, let's do it. Let's just pop it. Okay. So they did that. Which wasn't really painful at all. And it still, it got, like, the cramps were just as bad, to be
0: honest. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, to me, it was so bad that it just, as it got exponential, it was still at the top amount of pain that I had experienced. So it was, like, each level was just... Yeah. Okay. like, it, it, immeasurable to anything else that mm-hmm. I've experienced. So, mm-hmm. like, okay. Um, and then it, it got to the point where... I can't remember if it was before or after, but Alex had me lay on my side on like a peanut ball.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That was excruciating.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Both sides for like 10 contractions or something.
0: Classic, (laughs) classic midwife move. Oh, God. You guys. I know, it's the worst, but it gets the job done.
1: (laughs) That was the worst pain at that point,
2: for Aww. sure.
1: But I do have, like, flashes and moments of my partner and Alex and Lori all around me, like, stroking me and comforting me and just loving me while I was, mm. while I was in that pain. And that was a moment where I really actually did want to be touched, and that was really nice. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then, around three-ish, yes, around three, Lori encouraged me to put a robe on and go outside and go for a walk in my garden. I think that it was getting close. They kind of felt it, but that there was like some momentum that had been lost. I'm not really sure, but she said, let's, let's go for a walk. I said, okay. Yeah. So that was another level of pain that I had. Like I, now I'm at the next level, which was just brutal and walking through the contractions was, um, Another level uh, mm-hmm. that I hadn't experienced. Also, I want to just point out that I, I live in Topanga Canyon and I live in like a relatively quiet neighborhood, but for whatever reason, it was Friday afternoon. And at that point during that day, it felt as if everybody was outside.
2: Oh Literally, my gosh. like
1: everyone <laughs> in the neighborhood <laughs> was outside, and like a house that had been for sale for like months, all of a sudden, the people were doing construction they had bought it like there oh, were people my there
2: god <laughs>
1: so there was like a lot going on it was weird to be outside not in my home
2: where
0: yeah. i had just been like in there kind of in that portal um did that take you out of things a little bit or or ultimately you think it helped just moving and being like I, just switching I think it up it
1: took me out but it helped yeah you know, like I got outside and I was like, oh my God, air, trees, people, I'm going through labor. Like I'm in labor and I'm here and this is happening right. and I can, okay, like I'm on the earth. This mm-hmm. is really nice because my, my place at that point felt like it was, I don't know, another, like a vortex, honestly. And I, yes. and I said this right after and I said it and I wrote about it too, but it, my, my place felt small and big at the same time. Mm. Like all spatial logic, reasoning, everything was totally out of the window. Like Mm -hmm. my bathroom is tiny and there were moments where it felt large and the bedroom and the uh, it, it just made no real sense. Yeah. At
0: all. I mean, also goes to show like you don't really need a lot of space to give birth, no. you know, you
1: think you do and you really don't. You really and don't. My place is tiny and f- it felt massive. Yeah. Sometimes.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, yeah, really strange. But I, when I went outside is when I actually got the reality check of the space and mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, there's the sky above me and I'm on the earth and that really helped. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I walked up my stairs up to my place because I'm on the second floor, and well, Lori had me do like side steps. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Doing
0: so you know, like up. a CrossFit like routine up to no, Labor. Up. Oh my yeah, gosh. Like a
1: squat lift, squat lift, and I did two <laughs> like successfully, like two contractions, two steps. That was it. Yeah. And then I got to the top of the stairs, and I think I had a moment by myself, and then I had a moment with my partner, and then I thought I was alone. And I, uh, I just felt the the urge to basically shit my pants. Actually, it was the urge. It was like the push, and then I grabbed hold of the side. I squatted. I think I moaned like I'm gonna shit my pants, (laughs) and then I did. I mean, I wasn't wearing pants, but I pooped on my patio.
0: (laughs) As it happens, pretty much everyone in the neighborhood was. Pull, fully in, in view they're like this is Topanga <laughs> it's fine welcome I'm just
1: like, seriously. and um at that point it was like maybe 320 and I think that was the indicator for Alex and she was like this is go time like that was the moan we needed to hear that was the squat that was the push let's go wow so I went inside and uh Yeah, I was, I didn't end up doing it in the water. I ended up doing it on my hands and my knees on the living room floor. Um, I put my hands on her head. I could feel her head. Wow. Uh, There was a moment that was kind of scary, even though I wasn't like fully in fear of it because it was just so in the moment. But uh, Alex looked at me and she had pretty much been like not the, not the like first line of people. When something would come up, it would pretty much go like Lori and Cornelis that's my partner. And then if it was really intense or something needed to be addressed, like when I told her that I was afraid she was going to die, like that's when Alex would really like step in.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, at this point, Alex stepped in and she said, "Okay, what is going to happen right now is I'm going to need you to push because she her head is being uh,
0: constricted Mm mm-hmm we don't have much time Mm mm-hmm that was all i heard was we don't have much time which i'm Um, sure like then like the fears of like ish you know her gonna make it all came everything that was my fear the whole time coming to a head something is
1: going wrong there isn't enough time Mm. or something right like this was the moment and uh They put an oxygen mask on me. Mm. Lori was in front of me. My partner was in front of me. I was on the floor. There's not a lot of time. Push. So I pushed. Uh, Really like her life depended on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was all. Like, I didn't even... There was no soft breathing in a bathtub, Mm -hmm. allowing myself to open. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish that that was the case. But for me, it was like, push... Because she might die mm. if I don't mm-hmm. get
0: her out of me mm-hmm. as
1: fast as I possibly can. So.
0: And when she uh, came out, did they have to do any, um, like, was she, did she cry right away? Or did they have to kind of stimulate her or do any sort of So, oxygen? so it was, she, she popped out at 345 on the dot. Wow. I pushed
1: for twenty. 20- minutes probably uh, so fast. She felt like one honestly yeah like one minute I bet um, and yeah I think so I had her in my arms but she was definitely floppy mm-hmm. uh, her head was purple her body was white um, Alex um, pretty much everyone that was like really involved was rubbing her you know they were like touching her and rubbing her and like getting her kind of like on me and, you know,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: she, she started crying like, yeah, like a couple of seconds after. I mean, not, not like the way she cries
0: now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But then like, she like crying. she's here, like she made yeah, that call. she was call. Here. I
1: saw her eyes. My first reaction was not, I mean, it was pure like, joy and just amazement that that had happened that moment. But it was also, like, is she okay? Is this normal? Is yeah. this how she's supposed to look? hmm. Um, that's the other thing. I asked all day. The question I asked the most was, is this normal?
2: Mm.
1: Like, I just wanted to know, like, is what's happening... Normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> or is mm-hmm. something wrong? I just kept thinking like something was going to go wrong, so
0: mm. I asked if this was like, Is she, is she okay? Is she okay? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. yeah, it's almost like you're almost waiting for the other shoe to drop, and and or yeah. like, Yeah, like it can't just I be, I wasn't even sure. Like, sure, do babies come out looking like that? Like, yeah, do they
1: come out feeling this floppy? Yeah, um, do they come out with? Full head of hair. My baby has a full <laughs> head of hair. It's so weird. You know, nothing. Yeah. I knew nothing. Yeah. I'm like,
0: dude, are their eyes supposed to be open? Is this stuff that's on her
1: normal? Is she mm-hmm. supposed to be this way?
0: Like. Mhm. And again, yeah. you have a team that you can trust their answers. You know, in the moment when you when you have them, um, and and some people, you know, like to know everything under the sun. You know, beforehand, so that they have nothing to potentially. Ask in the moment. I do do not want to trip
1: about anything that could potentially happen. I'd rather just worry about it if it happens. Right. And have people
0: there that know how to handle it. Right. Totally. And that's also just like, yeah, you know yourself enough to know that like that's an option, you know, that's an option.
1: Yeah, it's almost like I had to shelter myself beforehand, because Mm -hmm. the truth is, there are so many stories out
0: there Mm -hmm. that I could have
1: glommed onto that would
0: have caused more fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing, given this whole podcast is about birth stories. Like, did you feel like listening to birth stories would actually, like, mess you up, or did you feel like it would, like, did you hear any birth stories, or? No. No. I didn't do anything (laughs) like that. No, I didn't, but now I'm more interested than ever. Interesting, because you have context, maybe, of, like, uh uh-huh. To yes. compare it to, and I, and I get really emotional when I hear about stories and mm. people's experiences and women's experiences. It's a lot
1: easier for me, but beforehand, I'm I'm even careful to share about my birth story with women I know that are about to give birth. Yeah, like I don't want to traumatize them.
0: Yeah. Do you th- do you think do you think it was traumatizing? Like, do you feel do you feel that there was some trauma from it of it happening the way it did really quickly and.
1: I. I think that, well, the short answer is yes, but it's not the kind of trauma that I would have thought, and it's not a traditional, like, I didn't have a traumatic birth by normal standards, but Mm -hmm. the actual experience of just birth is traumatic for for everyone, I think, uniquely. For me, it was traumatic in what I needed to face. It was was traumatic in, in... the physical, you know, the physical components, but mm-hmm. still just with what I needed to face in myself, like the fear of, of death, the fear of her dying, um, and then actually, like, getting through it, and then being left with a baby. hmm That was traumatic. Like, that's actually the most <laughs> traumatic. And it's all said and done. Everyone tells you to rest. And it's like, how? Mm-hmm. Really, how are you supposed to rest? Because all of a sudden you went from being, uh, you know, just a single person in this world and yeah. now you are a mother. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest thing, I've ever, the biggest, it's not even a transformation. It, it actually feels like it just happens overnight. Mm. Like, I know I was carrying her and I definitely felt, and I know this is one of your questions too, like... When At what point did I feel like I became a mother? When I found out I was pregnant, I became a mother,
2: for mm-hmm,
1: sure. Mm-hmm. But the, t- the traumatizing part of becoming a mother is that you're actually just one day not and one day you are, mm-hmm. and no one really tells you what to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because no one really, you know, can because, can. Of, you know, for she no. is her own... Uh, you have to kind of wait to meet her to see what kind yeah. of mother you need to be, right? And yeah. and what you can provide. But that that's really that's a trip to kind of like you don't know until the big test, which is when you meet her. You know. Yeah,
1: it's it's wild that that that's the and the trauma I, I think is um, in the actual labor and giving birth, but then it's in that. Initial phase to follow, yeah, which is yeah, like the next morning or something. It's just super surreal, and uh, makes me really actually emotional to kind of think about that time mm. still.
0: Mhm. And physically, like, what? How did you feel? You know, because also you're you're caring for a baby, and and did you feel, um, you know, in the next few days after giving birth? Did you feel any like? Did you feel super sore? Did you feel fine? And it was more, there were other stuff. There was other stuff kind of going on that was harder. Um, But any, like, did you have any tearing that you needed to recover from? Or did you, I mean, some people feel like they're sore in every muscle of their body. And some people feel super strong the next day. So. Yeah,
1: let's see. Um, The first day, the first morning was... Like, this is how hard the transition is. Like, I got up to, like, like, I got up, like, it was a morning when I didn't have a kid almost, you mm-hmm, know? Like, mm-hmm. I woke up in this, like, really shir- surreal, like, elated state
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I got, where I made coffee and I sat down to write about my experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That, to me, in hindsight, is, like, pure delusion mm-hmm, almost because mm-hmm. I, actually, I was in a lot of physical pain. mm mm-hmm. I really should have stayed in bed and slept and just, like, chilled. But instead, I was just, like, operating from this, like, okay, the hard part's over. Mm. When actually the hard part had had kind of just begun for mm-hmm. me at that moment.
0: It, it, uh, physically, what? I would say, do you think you were, like, it was, like, trying, like, the hard part's over, like, now back to, like, Ruby? Yeah. like Yeah. Or do you feel like you were in sort of that, like, post-birth, like, high, where you just, like, Both. weren't thinking straight? Both. It was a post-high,
1: post-birth high, for sure, because I would just look at her in my partner's arms and just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: So happy. Yeah. So happy that he could carry her, Aww. and that we could meet her, and that I could see her. Yeah. Um, But also, I think subconsciously that part of me, the Ruby that I've known my whole life, mm-hmm. that I've worked so hard to to love and accept
2: that, Mm.
1: you know, was, was still just acting the way that she knew how to act, which is like, okay, it's time to get up, make coffee, write about this experience, but Mm. actually, oh, there's a baby that's in the bed, and your partner, and you're physically fucked up,
2: actually, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and, like, even though it went fine, and, like, nothing was really, nothing really big happened, I tore, like, a tiny bit on my labias, like, I didn't have any big, big tears, Mm -hmm. I felt like I had a bladder infection infection that day. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like inside, like, I could hardly stand up straight. My uterus hurt so bad. Um, sitting down, uh, peeing, uh, like, what to eat. Yeah, I completely lost my appetite. Mm-hmm. had no appetite for, like, several, like, for the whole week after that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hardly eat. Mm-hmm. Which also then I found out brings your milk supply down. Yeah, and uh, I wasn't. I was even though she was crying all the time when she wasn't on my on my nipple, she was on my nipple mo- most of the time, which I thought was totally abnormal for how frequently she was on on me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and still wasn't getting milk. Mm-hmm. That was that was like so. The hard part actually came after. Mm. It was really brutal. Mm. For me personally, and I think I just feelings of failure and they don't, not talking about how sore breastfeeding is in
2: the beginning. Oh my mm-hmm,
0: goodness. Because mm-hmm. so much um, of it is like, it shouldn't hurt if it's, yeah, if it's right. And it's right. And then they latch and that's it. And
1: that's just like, la-di-da, hippie,
0: hippie chick breastfeeding. Right. Easy. Right. <laughs> like not easy Yeah. All. Yeah. I mean, even down the, sometimes a couple months down the road it's like there may be times in which like yeah your toes curl you know yeah with latching yeah exactly i'm still dealing with a lot
1: of breastfeeding things it's gotten significantly better but it took a lot of work it Mm -hmm. took no work to get pregnant it took no work while i was pregnant
2: the birth was
1: pretty easy and then the last two months i've been working my ass off to get her to drink my milk from my boob and
0: also make enough milk to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's and this is something that you know Britta again. I mean, a lot of a lot of birth workers talk about, but she talks about as well. Is like there's a, you know, there's always a test somewhere in the whole uh, process of becoming a parent, whether it's fertility issues or conception or pregnancy, birth postpartum breastfeeding, but, like, but you don't get to pick which one you get, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anytime a client of mine says, you know, oh, like, this pregnancy has been so great, and, like, I'm sure the birth will also go well, and, and usually that's the case, but, I, but in the back of my head I'm always like, but you th- – something will come up for you, you know? Like, you yes. you, you you can't and, – and probably there's a reason that you don't really go unscathed, you know? Like, you have to um, – you do have to uh, transform in even in the like physical sense of like whether it's you know your tissues actually opening up to let this person out or your nipples like getting damaged and that now like you are the scars of a of stretch you know, stretch marks or whatever it may be, but you know, there's a there is a um like a battle wound that is, you know, that happens from going through something. And, and for you, this was, yeah, this this was it. And it's still, I mean, talk about
1: the battle wounds. Like it, it it was physical with the, with the breastfeeding in the beginning. And even now, two months later, I still get rejected by her like Mm. frequently. Mm. And that's just like physical battle wound. Ego, ego battle
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. like, over and over. My
1: worst nightmare ever is just nope. I don't want this
0: thing that you've been working so hard mm. to provide me. <laughs> so, so yeah, and so course. I mean, how do you like? How what what was your self care like during all that time? Because I mean, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: man, I, it was just. The self-care, okay, well, what I was diligent about doing is tending to the tears, though they were small, I didn't, you know, the concern was that they would heal together, and that would be, like, two horizontal labia tears healing together, which would just, like, block off my entire opening, Mm -hmm. so I tended to that pretty rigorously and daily, Mm -hmm. um, and had some personal and intimate moments with the mirror just kind of like looking at myself and my body and like looking at her and and, and what she was able to you know do and open into you know bringing life so that was that was my self-care
2: um
1: I would have I think I would have ate a lot of the like nourishing foods and broths and things that I had planned for but my appetite um just dropped mm-hmm. and my kind of I don't know if it was depression or if it was I don't know what it was I guess looking back it just seems like it was total insanity but
0: um <sighs> I mean there's a big hormonal shift you know like this yeah. massive drop that happens after you give birth and then there's a massive high you know but then there's the then your milk supply comes in so then something else has like hormonally yeah. chemically has to give and so there's a the lot.
1: self-care, I, I feel honestly like I'm thinking about it. And I had people around me that were all willing to care for me. Mm. But was I actually doing any self-care? I don't, I honestly, can. I don't think I was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not enough. Mm-hmm. I am now. Mm-hmm. I am more now than I ever have before, like just really being... Kind to myself and slow, but that also when was in this quarantine, so it's kind of amazing timing. Mm-hmm. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: I didn't, I didn't really care for myself as much as I.
0: Mm. And
1: just now
2: realizing,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not. I mean, listen, I mean, this is something I think all mothers like. You know, the fact that they have to, you know, you schedule in like solo lunch Saturdays. Like, it's just, it's just, it's so much a part yeah. of, you, you know. <laughs> It's not on your brain, and and that's um, something, though, that just to be put into place from the beginning is helpful to be preventative versus then, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. treating something. But um, um, in the beginning, was it something where, like, people were telling you to eat, going back to your appetite, and you were just like, I'm just not hungry? Or was it just not even, like, also discuss, like, the benefits of, you know, all the foods and—
1: well, no, it was totally disgust. I just couldn't hear it. Like that's the that's part of why it was such an insane time frame. Mm. Like my partner was well aware that something was wrong
2: mm. and he was
1: putting food all over the house for me to eat and he was concerned and trying to be as like caring and comforting about it, but actually realizing like something was wrong with our baby mm. and and it was a it was most likely because I was not in a good place Mm. and I really wasn't in a good place like Mm -hmm. I thought I was feeding her I wasn't feeding her she was on me all the time and I couldn't even justify eating because I just thought I was doing what I needed to do which was being
0: available for her Mm. 24 7 Mm. like eating felt like taking time away from like you having time to like eat a meal or
1: there was just no time at that point yeah I'm telling you yeah she was on me because she was hungry. Totally. Like
0: It's like a weird, I, I don't vicious even, cycle. Like, use the word, yeah, I didn't
1: even like to use the word starving, but uh, honestly, like, her behavior was
2: as if she was starving.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if she wasn't nursing, which she wasn't getting anything from, but if she wasn't nursing, she wasn't eating, and then if I wasn't nursing, then I could eat, but I felt like I was nursing all the time. Sure. <laughs> so it was a circle. It was only about a week, and then she got weighed and we you know, Alex realized really quickly that she, well, take a step back, my, my boyfriend ended up calling everyone
2: to come and basically intervene on me, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> if I wasn't
1: going to hear it from him, which honestly, I was not able to hear him, mm-hmm. I was not able to hear him, I would freak out, um, I had to hear it from someone else, mm-hmm. so Alex came over, and, uh, you know, he had spoke to his parents, and they had spoke to my parents, and then everybody was kind of like on deck to be uh, of service to me in a way. I guess that I was really not to myself.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. That I'm that really lucky. Yeah. You're so lucky. I mean, it takes a lot of guts for a partner just to yes. see that because they're also in a whole <sighs> vortex. You know, I mean, to be objective like that. Um, and to feel, yeah, confident. And and knowing that, like, ultimately, you know, this is what you want is is help, even if you're not saying that it is in the moment, you know.
1: I give him major props for navigating that time, knowing that he was also going through what he was going through. Mm-hmm. And for sure he had fear about what was going on with his daughter, who looked like she was unhappy.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then, you know, a partner who couldn't hear him. Mm-hmm. Uh. He did exactly what he
0: should have done, which is he called other people. Amazing. Yeah. Which, yeah, again, like, goes to, like, the support postpartum, even if, like, you know, in a time that we're living right now, if it can't be hands-on, even just, like, a phone call from Alex probably would have made all the difference as well, and even if it wasn't in person. But just, like, a a real kind of, like, mother-to-mother now, but also, like, woman, midwife, someone Mm -hmm. talking to you saying, you know— i see you and this needs to change but um but yeah the support postpartum um Oof. is helpful for Super. for many reasons and they knew
1: it would be as well that like i knew like you had said earlier that my thing was going to be postpartum i knew it all along interesting so this has been easy this this has been such a like my pregnancy was amazing i loved being pregnant i was able to carry myself i felt great i didn't have any sickness it was awesome wow. i knew that postpartum i knew something like you said was going to be it was going to be my thing mm-hmm. i just didn't know i thought maybe i'd get depressed or mm-hmm. i don't have i don't have depression but i do suffer from you know just like the general anxiety that mm-hmm. that we have from this world
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh you know, I'm in recovery, so I have a tendency to kind of be a little wallowy and want to not feel the pain that I'm feeling emotionally. Sure. Um, so I, I knew there was potential for me to have, like, an emotional uh, you know, an emotional relapse of some kind, right? Whether right. it be isolation or right. I don't know what. But, it, I mean, it showed itself. It, it did. It definitely did come up. Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, do you feel like you know, especially now that you listen to other birth stories, you're like, oh, yes, in preparation for or just getting ready, like little nuggets of like, this is really helpful or I would have done things differently this way or or not. I mean, because obviously everything happens for you for a reason. And it's, and it's a unique experience. Well, but that would
1: be it. That's what I would say. Yeah. All the way is just really trust your intuition and, and who you are. So like. That first 40 days for me, that that probably wasn't really the best thing for me,
2: honestly. Mm -hmm.
1: I needed to be outside. I needed to get outside. Mm -hmm. I needed to probably have more people come in and check in on me Mm -hmm. than we had set up. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Right? Um, In our family dynamic, um, there was food available, but I... I tend to be the better cook. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) And it would have been, you know, if we had had the meal train set up where it was, like, more meals and people coming. And I I think that that, and that's just for me personal. For Mm -hmm. some, it probably works great. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. they have other busier lives, lots of kids, and they really need those first 40 days to just fucking chill. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they need. For me, it was too isolating
2: Mm -hmm. actually Mm -hmm.
1: it was too isolating and uh yeah that wasn't good for me I didn't didn't realize and that's something so what I would say is really know know yourself just know yourself as best as you possibly can and uh don't really listen to any of the hypey stuff
0: Mm
1: um because there's always some opinion yeah there Uh, And then go towards the pain
0: in the Mm. first. That was the biggest one. Like, really Mm. just go towards it. Cool. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ruby. (laughs) This has been so amazing and insightful and, and just inspiring. So thank you. I'm really
2: happy that you asked me. It was an honor.
0: Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.